Bienvenidos a Calvary Chapel. For those of you who do not have the gift of interpretation of tongues, that is uh, welcome to Calvary Chapel, Richmond. Uh, as he mentioned, my name is Tito Torado. I have the privilege of serving as the pastor of uh, executive leadership in uh, Coastal Church, Yorktown, and I'm delighted and excited to have the opportunity to share with you this morning. For those of you who may know me, you may notice that my hair is cut skin tight. This is something new, and uh, this, is, this was not uh, by design. It was, it was by default, and so I'm, I'm a self-haircut guy, and so I happened to be cutting my hair, and the clip fell off the clippers. And so I showed my wife, I said, maybe we can fix it and put maybe some, some shoe polish on it or some just for men. She's like, you're going to go have to see the barber. And so this was the barber's fix. In the process of doing this, I discovered, because this is the first time in 54 years I'm alive that I've done anything skin deep. So I discovered that I have a birthmark on the back of my head. So you can imagine how traumatized I was <laughs> to discover that I had something in the back of my head for 54 years and I did not know about this. And so this is a new experience for all of us. And so anyway, just in case you were wondering if I'm going through a midlife crisis or something like that, just an accident, a slip of the clippers. My wife was telling me, uh, maybe that's the Lord telling you, you just need to go to the professionals your days after as your self-help barber. And so she's over there, yes, yes. But anyway, uh, the title of this morning's message is The Battle of the Mind. And we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And the uh, first two chapters of Colossians are very interesting and very rich in theology because the Apostle Paul is dealing with a series of heresies in the, front, in the first century, uh, one of them being syncretism, which was a mixture of different religions, including uh, Jewish legalism. He was dealing with uh, Gnosticism, which was a religion that thought that you can ascend into godhood or being like God by merely intellect. Uh, gaining more intellect, and somewhat the Mormons do that as well. And then also, he was dealing with uh, docetism. Docetism was a heresy that taught that Jesus really didn't rise from the dead bodily, that he just rose in spirit, which is why when you read the book of Colossians, the first two chapters are really robust with theology, and we'll deal a little bit uh, with that today, but we're going to get a little bit more practical in that. And so before we go any further, let's have a word of prayer. Father, uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word. I just pray that um, as we share these brief thoughts this morning, that uh, your son Jesus Christ might be exalted, that the word of God might have a free course, Lord God, that it will go forth and accomplish that for which you sent it, that it will not return void, but it will transform our hearts, that it would spark a fire in us to want to love you more. I pray that you would remove distractions and help me to speak with clarity and accuracy the things that are contained 
in the scriptures. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, in uh, 1991, a group called the Ghetto Boys released a uh, hit single called My Mind is Playing Tricks on Me. And uh, in this song, uh, one of the things that he says is that he's paranoid and he keeps looking over his shoulders and peeping around the corner. And the whole idea of the song is that he has these mental battles going on in his mind. Uh, a leadership expert, uh, John Maxwell, once said, he said, uh, the sum total of a man's life consists of the thoughts that continually occupy your mind. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 6, says it this way, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The Bible has a whole lot to say about the mind. In fact, we are instructed to love the Lord our God with all of our mind, soul, and strength. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. In fact, uh, if you read 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says that we are to cast down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself or lifts itself up against the knowledge of God and bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. One of the things that I've always found interesting is that uh, the place where Jesus was crucified was called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And if you've been walking with the Lord for a short time or a long time, you no doubt have become aware of the mental battles and the spiritual battles that we go through in the mind. And so... Today, I want to uh, talk about that, and I want to give you uh, a more practical approach to this verse, even though it does have some real uh, powerful theological implications. Having said all that, let's begin our reading there in verse number one. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And this provides for us the first key to winning mental battles. Number one, seek those things which are above. Because Christ is risen, Christ has ascended, and positionally speaking, we have been raised with him. Therefore, we must begin with the promise that Christ is exalted. Oftentimes, we hear about the humiliation of Christ or the fact that uh, he descended and he became a man because Christ is eternal. We understand that the reason he did that is because the Bible says that we were by nature children of wrath and we have this thing called inherited sin from our father Adam and we were separated from God. In order for God to remediate that and to become our mediator, he took on human flesh and lived a perfect life of obedience according to the law, died on the cross on our stead. He received the punishment that was justly due to us because of our rebellion against God. 
was buried. He died, was buried and placed in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead to give us the hope of eternal life and to authenticate the claim that he was God because only God can die and come back to life. And so now when we uh, simply uh, repent of our sins and we believe the gospel, the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ, and we receive Christ into our lives, we are saved and we have the Holy Spirit. But the story doesn't end there. Jesus appeared to his disciples for about 40 days, and after that, he was ascended into heaven, which is what Paul is talking about here, the exaltation of Christ, how he was exalted. And Paul, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, says this, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, all things in heaven and all things on earth and all things beneath the earth will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of God the Father. Therefore, every knee must bow and every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord because he is exalted. And so God wants us Initially, as we enter into the, this part of the text, God wants us to know and believe that Christ is higher than fill in the blank. Christ is higher than your emotional struggles. Christ is higher than your relational problems. Christ is higher than your professional problems. Christ is higher than your health issues. Christ is higher than the people who don't recognize you and give you your just due. Christ is higher than the people who mistreat you or the people who left you or the people who wrote you off. Christ is higher than... Any circumstance, any situation, any thought, any emotion, anything that we face, Christ is higher than fill in the blank. So he wants us to understand that Christ is exalted. In order for us to begin to win mental battles, we must tuck that truth deep down in our hearts and understand Christ is higher than this. And in the light of eternity, does this really matter? And because he is exalted and lifted up, we have access to the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Romans 8, 11. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you if you've received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. He lives in me. And it is the Spirit that makes us want to seek the things that are above. It is the Spirit that makes us want to seek God. This verse is an exhortation to seek the things of God, but not only to seek the things of God, but to seek God himself. 
We are to seek him intentionally. We are to seek him passionately. And we are to seek him seriously. One of the things that can often get us off track spiritually is the lack of intentionality. It reminds me of a narrative that's in the gospel in the uh, Matthew chapter 13, where the Bible talks to us about a merchant who was looking for pearls. And he says he was looking for pearls, and he, when he found one pearl of great price, he sold everything that he had to purchase that, that pearl. Notice he was searching for pearls. Oh, I have to ask you at this point, what are you searching for? What are the pearls that are precious to you? Are there things that you invest more time, talent, and treasure than your pursuit of Christ? What are your pearls? He was intentional. Another thing that can get in the way of us seeking the Lord is our lack of passion, our lack of fervor, our lack of desire. We are to seek him with passion. We are to seek him with zeal. We are to seek him with desire. Listen to what Romans chapter 12 verse 11 says. It says, not lagging in diligence, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We are to serve the Lord with a fervent Spirit, I like to ask a lot of rhetorical questions. I really do. So how's your spiritual temperature of seeking the Lord? Are you fervent in spirit serving the Lord? Are you passionate about seeking the Lord? Are you, is there something in you that makes you want to have more of the Lord? Uh, a writer who lived in the late 1800s, A.W. Tozer, once wrote, and I quote, To have found the Lord and still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love, end quote. When Paul is uh, writing to his uh, protege, uh, Timothy, he tells him, fan the flame of the gift of God. Stoke the embers. He's telling him by implication that our passion seems to wane over time. And just like a fire that is about to go out and needs to be stoked and needs to be fanned, so we need to fan the flames of the gift of God that is inside of us. What does your seeking God look like? Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13 says these words, And you will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Are you seeking him with your whole heart? Are you giving God 100% effort, or only 50%, 60%, 75%, 80%, 
Well, I have to be honest. There are times that I can be selfish with my time. And I know I should be reading my Bible. There are days that I wake up and I know I should get up and pray. And, and I know I'm off that day. And I say, Lord, today seems like a good day to binge watch some Netflix. I promise I'll watch something spiritual in the process. <laughs> or I know that I should be, I can, I can sense the Spirit leading me to read the Bible and to spend some time in prayer. I said, I think I'll just cut the grass or go tinker in the garage because I want to get a good workout. I can be selfish with my time. At times, and I can confess to you that I am a lover of pleasures and a lover of myself more than lover of God. So please, I don't want to speak to you as one who has arrived in this area. I am a, I am a fellow pilgrim in this journey. So when I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. To me. Uh, I am Tito Dorado's best counselor. I counsel myself, I preach to myself. It's the only way that I have found to stay sane in this journey. So we have to seek him intentionally. We have to seek him passionately, but we also have to seek him seriously. In 2 Chronicles 15, uh, King Asa was uh, making some religious reforms. And in the process of doing that, the people entered into a covenant. And you can find this, I think it's around verses 13 and 14. They said they entered into a covenant and they agreed that whoever would not seek the Lord will be put to death. How'd you like Pastor Tim to get up here on a Sunday morning and say, if you do not read your Bible every day this week, you will be put to death. <laughs> if you miss your personal prayer time this week, you will be put to death. I don't know if I would like to enter into that covenant, but it speaks to us not of the covenant that they made, but of the seriousness and the serious mindedness that we need to have in seeking God, that we need to take it seriously. And, and I don't know how you do it or what works for you. And maybe reading books or reading articles or listening to podcasts and sermons might inspire your seeking God. And listen, doing community and attending church is wonderful. And please keep doing that. Going to small groups like the one he was talking about doing the announcement and being part of Community and accountability groups is wonderful and prayer groups. And that's the way we seek God in community. But there's another aspect to this. There is a personal seeking of God. Matthew chapter 6 verse 6 says this. When you pray, meaning prayer has a time, go into your room or closet, depending whatever translation you have, meaning prayer has a place, shut the door, meaning prayer is in private between you and God. Go pray to your father in secret, and your father who sees you in secret will reward you publicly because private prayer always has a public impact. See, some of us are good at really 
praying on the go or praying wherever we are or praying about everything. And that is good. And please continue to do that. That's the only way that we can pray without ceasing. But let the pray without ceasing come out of the overflow of your prayer time in the closet. Let not, let not the thing that is the vitamin become the main course. See, I call that living on supplements. You got to eat. You got to have that time where you spend with, with the Lord. You had to have that time where you listen, uh, Lord, uh, my, my day has 24 hours and this is your slice of the pie. And not try to fit him in to our busy and ever busy lives and ever increasing task lists. I'll stop meddling. I'll move on with the message. Remember, James chapter 4, verse 8 says this, Draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh unto you. Have you considered that you are as close to God that you want to be? While Seeking God intentionally and seeking God passionately and seeking God seriously, it's important to winning mental battles. It is also important that we set our minds to seek God, which brings us to verse number two. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And here's our second point, the second point I want to make. Set your mind on heavenly things. Because we have died with Christ and our life is hidden with Christ in God, we ought to set our mind on the things of the kingdom of God. And when Christ appears, who is our glory, we too will also appear with him. For this reason, we are to set our minds to seek God. Set your mind like you set a thermostat to adjust the temperature in a room. Set your mind like you set in a, a reminder or a wake-up alarm on your phone. Set your minds like you set the cruise control so that you don't wind up getting a ticket on 64. We are to set our minds to seek the Lord. In the book of Nehemiah, we read about the fact that the people, the people constructed the wall in a record time because Nehemiah tells us that the people had a mind to work. They had set their mind to work. They had purposed in their heart that they were going to build this wall. They had their minds set. There's another narrative in the book of Acts where Barnabas goes to Antioch and he sees the grace of God working in the people and he gives them this, these words of admonition in Acts chapter 11, verse 23. He says, he encouraged them that with purpose of heart, they would seek the Lord, that they would be purposeful about seeking God. 
Now, as many of you know, and some of you may not know, I have an 18-year-old son. I have a 30-year-old daughter, an 18-year-old son, and I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old that are back there in the children's. I'm all over the place. Anyway. <laughs> but my son Christian, he goes to a special needs school because he has been diagnosed with autism and cerebral palsy. And so we live in Yorktown, and he has to travel all the way to Chesapeake to go to the school. And he's been going to the school since he is uh, 12 years old. And so he's rather tired of riding the bus to Chesapeake. And some days, G Christian decides or he sets his mind that he's not getting on the bus. I can call him on the phone and threaten that I am going to spank his butt. We can threaten him with being arrested. We can threaten him with losing his iPad privileges. But he has his mind set. He's not getting on the bus. And so my godly, ever servicial wife usually winds up having to go through the hellacious tunnel of 64 in the height of the traffic hour to go pick up our son because he has set his mind that he will not get on the bus. In the same way, with the same kind of stubbornness, with the same kind of intensity, with the same kind of purpose on mind, that we are to set our hearts to seek the Lord. Paul speaking to Timothy again about his spiritual gifts and godly living says these words to him in 1 Timothy 4.16. He says, Meditate or think on these things and give yourselves wholly to them. And unless we are purposeful about setting our minds to seek the Lord, we will not be able to kill the sin in our lives. It reminds me of Jesus in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, where they saw him. The scripture says that he set his face to go toward Jerusalem. He knew that his time of being crucified and dying and redeeming the world had come. And so he set his face. He, had, he was purposeful and intentional about not letting anything distracted him from the purpose which was to redeem mankind, to die on the cross for our sins. Now, I want to be careful not to give us the impression that any of these things happen apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. Because God is the one that works in us both to do and to will for his good pleasure. And so at times we have to lean into the Holy Spirit and, and ask God, Lord, help me to want to want you. Lord, help me to want to seek you. Because left to my own devices, left to my own will, I won't want to do it. The reality of the matter is that I like and enjoy to do other things. And so we need to confess, Lord, I am weak. 
Lord, I am needful of you. I am broken. And unless you come by your spirit and change my affections, change my desires, and renew my mind through your word, my default mechanism is to want to do my own thing. So we need the Holy Spirit to help us set our minds and do what it says in the next verse, which brings us to verse number five. Therefore, put to death your members, which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now yourselves are also to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Which brings us to my third point. We are to sever these things out of our lives. We are to cut off these things like fornication and uncleanliness and evil desires and covetousness and anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy language. We are to cut these things, all these types of sins that are the object of God's wrath upon the children of disobedience or the people who do not serve God. We are to put it to death. Cut it off. Kill the passions of the flesh. No wonder Jesus said, if your eye offends you, plug it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. Amputation? See, Amputation or the cutting off of a limb is something that happens when uh, the, our skin cells or our, our cells die because of an infection or because of we have a condition in, in our, in our in, uh, immune system that causes the cells to die. And in order to keep the living cells living, we have to amputate. We have to cut it off. And sometimes amputation is necessary. Now, I know there are some things that I need to amputate in my life. I wish that sanctification or growth and holiness, which is what he's talking about he, here, were a linear, straight path. Don't you wish that? That you just got saved and you just start growing and didn't have any struggles, but... The truth of the matter is that we have speed bumps and potholes and layovers. 
I remember, I remember when I was younger in my early 20s and there was a time where I really walked away from the Lord and yet I had the Holy Spirit working in my life and uh, uh, please, for, please forgive me, I hope this doesn't offend you. I started smoking weed when I was 11 years old and so I was smoking weed and reading my Bible at the same time. Oh, the Bible makes better sense with weed in it and so, oh, I'm getting some great revelation. So listen, and, and yet the Holy Spirit, and, and I would sit down and I would pray high as a kite. I said, Lord Jesus, I can't promise you I'm going to stop smoking weed tomorrow. But if I die in my sleep, I don't want to go to hell. The Holy Spirit, when they see sanctification, and listen, I would go in the church on the weekends and smoke and crack on Friday. And then my heart would be pumping out of my chest, and I was about to die. I thought I was about to have a heart attack, and I was like, Lord, please don't let me die. I got another hit left. I'm just being real with you, though, because sanctification is not always a very linear and straight path. And some of you, see, some of you might be in here. Some of you right now, you're living with your boyfriend and living with your girlfriend, and the Lord is convicting you. And you know you need to either get married or kick him out or move into another. You need to do something because sanctification is not always a straight path. Some of you have a bad habit that you know that the Lord is dealing with you. But listen. Amputation is not only about the sin in our lives. Sometimes we have to amputate people out of our lives. There are people who sometimes we are in relationship with. Whether they're because of sentimental reasons. Oh, we've been going to school together since grade school. And I know their grandmom and their grandmom. And, but yet you know that being in that relationship causes you to indulge in sinful behavior. Maybe it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You know they're not saved. They talk a good Jesus talk. They say the right things. But if you bring them around us, you know. And you don't want to bring them around us because you know they don't pass the smell test. <laughs> we will let you know, honey, that ain't it. That's just jibber, jabber. And sometimes you have to amputate people for the sake of the kingdom. But not only that, sometimes you have to amputate places. I have guys that I'm discipling that they decided to say, listen, Pastor Tito, I decided to stop going to the gym because I cannot go to the gym and stay safe. Spandex is of the devil. <laughs> I can't, I can't. I'm like, bro, I, I, built, I built the gym in my garage. And some of you have friends or distant relatives that you visit and you know that they do things and when you go there you find yourself falling into old sinful patterns. You need to amputate those. But it's not that you're mean. It's not that you care about people. It's that at times we have to find a different way to love people. We have to reposition people in their rightful place at, for where God has us at the time. And so amputation becomes necessary. We have to kill the sin in our lives. We have to amputate places and people 
in our lives. And so we cannot do that if we are feeding our flesh. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 13, verse 14, Paul says this. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Listen, I don't need to feed my flesh. My flesh has a feast all on its own. And when I feed it, it's worse. But he says to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It almost treats it as though it was a garment. But So we are to intentionally feast on Christ, intentionally lean into Christ. Feed your faith and starve your doubts. Feed your spirit, man, and starve your flesh. Amputate those things out of your life. Sever those things. Let's read verse number nine and then we'll close. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with its deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. And here's my fourth point. Settle into a spiritual rhythm. I'm going to ask the band to come up at this time. He says that we are to put off the old self or our sinful nature and to put on the new man, which is in Christ. And, and again, we can only do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 17, when Paul is speaking to the philosophers in, in Athens, he quotes one of their own poets, Epimenides, and he says, For it is in him that we live, in him we move. In him we have our being. Jesus said it this way in John 15, 5. He says, separated from me, you can do nothing. And so we're not under the impression that we can do things apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. But it is interesting that Paul uses language that indicates removing some article of clothing or some piece of jewelry and putting it back on. Now, each day, we all have pajamas or certain clothes that we like to sleep in. And so we take off our everyday clothes and we get into our comfy clothes where we can settle in for the evening. Put off and put on. And we do this every day. We don't have to be reminded of it. We don't have to be told to do it. It just happens automatically. We're in a rhythm of putting off and putting on. And in the same way, implicitly, he's telling us that we need to get into a spiritual rhythm where we are putting off certain things in our lives and putting on certain things in our lives. There is a rhythm. We need to acquire rhythms and habits may be a better word. Get into good, healthy, spiritual growth habits. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says this, Do not grow weary in well-doing, because in due season you will reap if you don't give up. 
He means keep doing good. Don't give up. The tendency is that you will want to give up. So let's keep pursuing the Lord. Let's stay passionate about him. Let's purpose that we're going to seek him and set our minds on him and sever the things of our lives. And so let me close with this. Today we looked at Colossians chapter 1 verses 1 through 10 and we talked about all these things, how we need to seek God with all of our mind, heart, soul, and strength, how we need to set it in our mind, be purposeful in our hearts about seeking him, how we need to cut things out of our lives in order to set in a spiritual rhythm so that we can win mental battles in our lives. And so if you're here today and you are struggling, there are going to be people here to pray with you about these things that I've been talking about. Or if you or you are here and maybe you came as a guest and you're investigating Christianity or maybe you got drugged to church. I used to do drugs. You got drugged to church. Oh, by the way, let me state emphatically, I no longer smoke weed. I know it's illegal, but I don't smoke weed, and I definitely don't smoke crack. I, I don't want you leaving here thinking, says Pastor Tito said, I can understand the Bible better if I take a couple of hits. No, 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 no. I was given a testimony of who I was before Christ. I have been born again. I have been renewed. I have been sanctified. Like the old church, old folks used to say, filled with the Holy Ghost. So I don't do those things anymore. But I got other stuff that the Lord needs to cut off. And perhaps you're here. And you need the Lord to cut some stuff, help you cut some stuff out of your life or help you to be more diligent in your pursuit of him so that you can do what Isaiah said. Isaiah 26.3 says these words, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Amen. That's where you want to be, where your mind is stayed on the Lord, where the Lord is your meditation. The Lord is your joy. The Lord is your all in all. And you are winning mental battles. And you're not stressed over stuff that really doesn't matter. You're stressed over people who really eh, don't even know you're stressed about the stuff. You're stressed about situations that are outside of your control. You're anxious and you're losing sleep over stuff that in the light of eternity doesn't really matter. You're giving up the joy. You're giving up the peace. You're giving up the love. You're giving up the abundant life that God sent his son to die for you to have. And because of some sinner or some organization or some situation, you're going to give that up 
Don't give it up. Fight for your peace. Fight for your abundant life. Fight for your joy. Stay in the Lord. Have a sound mind. Jesus died and rose again so that you can have those things. Don't look back on your, t- on your days and look back. I wasted all that time. I wasted all those days stressed and frustrated and losing my mind about stuff that in the light of eternity doesn't even really matter. I have eternal life. I'm spending eternity with Jesus. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. And that is the only thing that really matters. Keep. Thought I went a little Pentecostal on you. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Keep the main thing. The main thing. Do you know it takes a lot more energy when you are invested in having negative emotions than it means to choose joy and choose peace and choose the Lord? This is the day that the Lord has made. We will. We will. We will. We will. We will choose. We will choose to rejoice. Choose joy. Choose to set your mind on the Lord. Choose to walk with him. Choose to be saved. Choose Christ as your Lord and Savior. And your life will be blessed not only in this life, but in the life to come. So if all else fails, take a nap. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, you're so good. Your wrath is but for a moment, but your mercy is everlasting. You have loved us with an everlasting love. Lord, remind us each day to help us to keep our minds stayed on you. And not to give mental space or emotional energy to things that in the light of eternity really don't matter. Remind us about the gospel. So that each day that passes by, even though we might struggle with our sinful nature, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and sacrifice on the cross might not be something that we graduated from, but something that becomes sweeter and sweeter to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.